guys, welcome to the Pod Spirit Show um, podcast that I usually do daily. And on Mondays, I bring on guests. But it's a special occasion today because I'm bringing on guests on a Tuesday. Not something that happens very often. But we have some very special guests that waiting there in the back waiting room. Cody Mack is one of them. How are you, Cody? I'm doing well. How are you doing, you kid? I'm doing great. Um, just might say you're kind of, um, even though you haven't been on the show before, you're kind of a pretty famous figure when it comes to the to the podcast because we do a part in the beginning that's called memes of the week and your memes are always on there <laughs> that's hilarious yeah <laughs> we've also got david here is there waiting in the background thank you so much david for coming on how are you today yeah i'm all good boys i'm all good how are we are I'm, I'm great um there's been a lot of Thanks interesting for having me, yeah, no problem absolute legend thank you so much for coming on to my channel um i mean your channel is so huge and Mine is not barely a quarter of us uses yours. Lad, my channel is not big whatsoever, lad. Nah. Not big whatsoever, lad. It's all just keep growing it, lad. Just keep putting out content, keep growing it, lad. That's all you. you can do. Yeah, but I'm gonna put the the topics of the day today. We're gonna go through the meme of the week, Spurs news, a Levy rant. We we usually do the Levy rant when we go through the Spurs news because the Spurs news is related to Levy, and then we do an outside of Tottenham segment. Which outside of Tottenham, since you guys have never been on the podcast before, outside of Tottenham is just. When we go through football, but outside of Tottenham. So um, the meme of the week, we've got four today, the most we've ever had. Um, this one's from Cody Mack. I mean, not from Cody Mack, Matty Hayes. Um, he says, just realizing Italy are the first team to train at Hosper Way and win a trophy. It's, <laughs> it's very true. I mean, probably going to be the last team. But um, And then this one, it's not really Spurs related, but it was quite funny. <laughs> nice. And then a leaked photo of the of the capture for the Arsenal All or Nothing show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that one was that must be that must be the nothing part of the documentary. <laughs> that one was oh, actually, that's brilliant. That one was actually edited by me. So, uh, and then that's another. One, I also edited this one as well. We were one penalty kick away from seeing air. Um, Harry Maguire, this hair. I mean, we it was oh. imagine the whole team with that hair. I mean, I don't, I can't imagine Harry Maguire and Harry Kane with that type of hair. But we've got Jack Konecki, um, in the waiting room again. Morning, Hi, Jack. How are you It's afternoon for David, but um, right, radio, radio. Yeah, yeah, the second half, the second half, the Irish hotspur here beside me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one for the morning, one for the afternoon. But yeah, thanks for having me, Daniel. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Um, so pretty much the biggest news of the day for Tottenham is the fact that Danny Ings. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've read the articles, but Danny Ings is extreme. He's, apparently, he's not Spurs' number one target for the transfer window. I don't know how many number one targets you can have because I've heard we've had a number one target for so many for so many times. Wasn't wasn't um Tomiyasu our number one target? Hard to know. Yeah. It, look, it's for, for me. Like it's what? it's so it's so difficult to digest the news cycle right now. And if you watched Ali Gold's last video, he talks about how uh, Fabio Paratici's way of doing business, his methodology, is to be talking and working on deals for ten different options for one position and getting those deals all the way to the cusp of being over the line before deciding what the best option is going to be. So, like even Ali Gold is basically recommending that you don't take any of the rumors seriously. But when it comes to like being rumored with a player like Danny Ings, for me, I don't see how that scenario would play out unless the plan is to have him playing alongside Hyungman Son in the front two and we sell Harry Kane. Um, that's because we all know that like our main priority, if as, as the, the squad stands, the main priority should be shoring up our defense because we don't really need attacking players nearly as badly as we need defenders. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I don't understand why we've been, we've been linked to so many midfielders. In the recent days, we were linked to um, – we were linked to um, – what's the name? Not Rakitic. The, the Barcelona midfielder. Rakitic. No, not Rakitic. We were linked to the – Pjanic. Pjanic. But we've been linked to many other midfielders that I don't understand why we've been linked to. We should be linked to one striker because, obviously, Kane, just in case he goes. Yeah. Um, and, and then centre-backs because centre-backs are – just atrocious what we've got. But um David, I think you were asking their Danny's age. Um he's twenty-eight years old. 
So, no, I was asking, are we live now? Or are we live right, like right now? Oh, so what we do is, um, I do this channel. It doesn't get as much views, but because I'm, when I was seven years old, um, I tried doing a live stream when I was stupid, um, doing a live stream on my other channel. Um, so it got my live streams got blocked on that account. So now what I've done is I made an account for this one. It's just for live streams. Everything you see on this account will be on the other account. Um, but this is just so you can participate in the comments. Um, there's usually like like the most three views that come into these streams, but the most views that they get is when I put them on the real channel. So, mm. uh, Danny, you'll be editing this. Not, not really. I edit them when it's like um when it's a video that I do by myself. I which I all it's every other day of the week, like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Those days I edit them. But um, but this these normal episodes on Mondays, I get the I get to download the the video and then I just put it on YouTube. All right, edit me out smoking at the start. I didn't realize we were we were live already. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll make sure to do that. But um, with the with the with the Danny Ings reports, um, I think what happens is Danny Ings, he's just. I mean, I wish, I love him, but do you think Daniel Levy will do? Do you think Daniel Levy will do that? And either way, I think Dan Danny Ings is too good of a striker to be sitting on the bench. Um, look, to be honest with you, look, it makes sense because he's in his last year of his contract. He's going to go cheap, and he's a proven Premier League uh, goal scorer. Um, and for me, look, people can say he's too good to be sitting on the bench, but I don't want to hear that excuse anymore. Chelsea have Giroud, Abraham, yeah. Tini Weeney. And everybody, you know, Arsenal have Lacazette, Aboumiang, you know, United have Cavani, Rashford, Greenwood, um, you know, and they're probably going to sign someone else. Chelsea are still looking to sign a striker. All the top teams have backup strikers on the bench that are good and that you can rely on to come in and score goals. So, look, it's only at Tottenham where we make this excuse where he's not going to come and sit on the bench. It's absolute codswallop. You play a player enough money and if he backs himself, he's going to come in and he's going to try and get take, you know, try and train that hard that you can't leave him out of the first team. So for me, I think look, I think this Danny Ings deal could could be um could be a runner. I said it I said it months ago on Matt Hayes' um channel. You know that Danny Ings is probably a player we should be looking at on bringing in as a backup striker because he will get your goals. And I just don't believe in this crap that you can't get a second striker at Tottenham. You look at most of the big clubs around the world, most clubs around the world, they have a striker, their main striker, and a player, you know, that's willing to come off the bench. So I don't want to buy into this anymore at Tottenham. I think we're just making excuses all the time for for especially for Daniel Levy by saying that. I think it's I think it's a lot of shit to be honest with you. So I do believe like, you know, this Danny Ings could be um could be a goer. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Jack, what are your thoughts on Danny Ings? Uh, to be honest, I mean, uh, as much as I really rate Danny Yanks, especially during his Burnley days, I absolutely loved him when he was at Burnley. Uh, but now, to be honest, if he wants to make a move to a bigger club, this is what he's going to have to realize. He's going to have to become a backup striker. He's going to have to become a striker that's going to have to sit next to another striker that's you know rated better than him. Uh, it's what he's going to have to go through if he wants to move up to a bigger club. Southampton is, you know, the level of club where he can be the man man, where he can be the focus of the team. If he wants to upgrade from that, then he's going to have to realize he's not going to either play as much or he's going to have to work even harder in order to get, you know, the spot in the starting 11 as well. Like, I really do think, yeah, he would be an absolutely class uh, backup striker. Uh, my fear is, is that, you know, the, the article is saying is that it's going to be someone that's going to be partnering Kane that maybe what Cody brought up earlier, where it's maybe in a disguise, someone that's actually going to be partnering Sun, uh, maybe for the next season to come, who knows. But yeah, Danny Ings would be a class striker. And to be honest, David is exactly right. Like, we can't be looking at players like Danny Ings and, you know, thinking of their future, thinking of what's best for them. If he wants to move up to a bigger club, he's going to have to realize he's going to have to sit on the bench or partner Kane. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. But um, it's interesting because now you look at it, Manchester City are also interested in him. So they're making, making it look like he's going to be a backup striker um, if they don't get Kane. The exact article is from the, fo the Football Faithful. The Football Faithful. Uh, Man City make inquiries over Danny Ings as potential Kane alternative. Do you think Danny Ings? Because I think Man City is too big of a club for Danny Ings. Danny Can Ings I tell you what's going on there, you kid? What? Southampton are using Man City to get the price they want off Tottenham. It's a smoke screen. 
Danny Ings is not going to Man City. They already have Gabriel Jesus, so he's just going to go and play a backup role anyway, regardless whether he goes to City or Tottenham. And for me, I genuinely believe that City or Southampton are putting City's name out there to try and get their asking price they want off Tottenham. It happens all over. It's happened in the Tommy Asu deal. All of a sudden, Arsenal came out of nowhere. They're interested. It's not. It's Bologna using Arsenal to get Tottenham to pay what they want. It happens all the time over transfer windows. All yeah. the time. You know what? Man City might be using uh, that that interest in Danny Ings to try and pressure Levy to lower the price on Harry Kane as well. I mean, personally, I was just about to say, um, as much as Ings is not like a, on the level of Harry Kane or a world-class striker, I actually think he would be a decent fit at Manchester City because he'd be going to a team where he wouldn't have to have the kind of workload that we've seen cause him to be be injured in his career. Uh, he wouldn't have to have the pressure of being like the go-to guy. Um, so as a as a cheaper option to Harry Kane, I think Danny Ings to, to Manchester City actually makes a lot of sense because I think purely as a as a poaching striker, he would he would be their best option. You know, Gabriel Jesus, good young player and everything, but doesn't really have the natural finishing ability that a Danny Ings can bring. So if they were to bring him in, keep his workload in check and keep him healthy, I think he could improve their team. Just just a quick question for you there, Cody. Do you not think that Man City would be looking at more like a world-class striker? Because if they want to win the Champions League, which is what they ultimately want, that's the end goal. They couldn't really care about the Premier League. That that's They think that's guaranteed. Do you not think they'd be looking at a world-class striker? Not yeah, someone like no, Danny Ings. Absolutely, I think they would. But the reality is, you know, they broke their trans their their biggest transfer uh, fee last su summer with Ruben Diaz at whatever it was. I think seventy million pounds. They have never spent triple digit millions on on a single player, and we know that Daniel Levy isn't going to budge from a cash only uh, offer of upwards of one hundred twenty five to one hundred fifty million pounds. I just don't think Manchester City have the stomach to to pay that kind of price. And when you look yeah. at the other world class strikers who are available. Erling Holland f falls into that category, but the relationship between Pep Guardiola and Mino Raiola is a big stumbling block for them bringing him in. So um, the, the reality is when you've exercised those options and they haven't really come to fruition, you have to start looking down the pecking order. So that's that's my thoughts. Maybe a bit messy. He's, he's out of contract. Honestly, speak Spanish as well, David. Speak Spanish as well. You know, I'm thinking with Danny Ings, you know, he's going to have to pick up a bit of the Catalonian lingo, I think, in order to be, you know, favorited by Pep. So uh, I think David's right, to be honest. It might be a bit of a smokescreen, but I think Cody is right as well. Like, when you look at Danny Ings, he would actually fit all of the characteristics that Pep Guardiola would want in his yeah. number nine. You know, someone that isn't too boisterous, someone that isn't too much of a personality. I know Danny Ings also works really hard off the ball. He presses harder than any other player on Southampton, which is why Hassan Hoodle loves him. So, you know, Guardiola is going to love that as well. Um, he's pretty good with his feet. You know, he's always been maybe a bit more of a finisher and then kind of has developed his technical game. Uh, as well. Uh, now he's nowhere near as fast or as quick as he used to be at Burnley. So now he's, you know, has to play a lot smarter, has to play a lot more intelligent. I think Guardiola actually, Cody might be right, would actually love him. But do I see Guardiola actually looking at players like Danny Ings? No, you know, I think Guardiola has a certain, has a certain mold of uh, players, let's say a certain coffee bean that he prefers over another. The thing is too, like just before we move on, um, we always talk about you know, let's say, for example, we use Toby Alderweireld as an example of a player who tends to make the players around him better. Just, mm -hmm. just kind of picture what it would be like just transplanting Danny Ings out of that Southampton squad. Who, after a hot start last season, they were in relegation form for the rest of the year, and putting him in that Manchester City starting eleven, where he is surrounded by world class talent. Um, I know he has had his fair share of injury trouble and whatnot, but when healthy, he has produced for Southampton. So um, it, it's quite possible, even at the age of 28, that he could go to Manchester City and be prolific for one, two, maybe even three seasons. So it, it, it'll be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But moving on to the next article, um, Tottenham, Tottenham have made an inquiry for Atlanta center back Christian Romero, he's actually it's a little bit of an interesting one because I haven't really heard much of him. He's one of those defenders that you have to Google, as Jack says, watch a bit of a Brazil scout. But um, with with him, I mean, I don't know too much of him, but if he is good, I've heard the price is not too big. Uh, Levy's probably that's music to Levy's ears. But um, 
what do you guys I don't know if you have any of you guys know too much a little bit of about him I, I didn't really know who he was I didn't even know he existed before I saw that article just called uh, Jack with it I think uh, I think Christian oh. Romero yeah I believe he's a young uh I think he's Argentinian slash yeah. Italian um I think he's also Italian where he maybe he hasn't maybe he's already had a cap for Argentina a cut for Argentina. he played versus he played versus Brazil in the final and there it is. Yeah, he is Argentinian. I have the right man in my head. Um, I believe he's around, I think he's under 24 or something like that. I know he's actually quite uh, technically good. I haven't seen too much of him play. I really more kind of when I watch Atalanta, I'm kind of watching what's ahead of the defenders because they're kind of the best attacking team in Europe. So you kind of get a bit distracted with, you know, what's going on up front, maybe, especially since they have one of my favorite players uh, in the game, and that is Ilicic. So I do get a bit distracted when I watch Atalanta. Um, but like I said, maybe Atalanta have been in the last two seasons debatably the best attacking team in all of Europe. Um, maybe that also attacking does have to be built out from the defense that maybe would suggest that Romero is probably pretty good on the ball. And then also suggest that he's probably pretty good against the counterattack as well, because at Atalanta, they love to dominate teams. They love to absolutely just fly forward, which means that they can get absolutely exposed on the break. So Christian Romero, maybe you could say, yeah, for, for Serie A center back, he's probably actually undergone maybe a lot of experiential moments, you might say, just because of how attacking Atalanta is. We don't really talk about their defense. Yeah, Cody Mack has been kind enough to share us a screen about his stats. Um, so he's non-penalty, 0.10. That's a, that's already better than um, it's already better than Serge Aurier. Um, and then a, a, a bunch of interesting stats because he's got high on assists. And, I mean, with the goals, I mean, you look at him, right? You have to wonder. Every time we get linked to a center back, he can't be worse than Eric Dyer. Like, that's that's Eric Dyer is just the bottom level. He's the ground. You can't mm. go lower than that. Mm. So when I mean, obviously, it's interesting because we're being linked to many defenders, like we've been asking for. Um, do you think this one could happen? And do you think it would be good looking at his stats as Cody has shared his with us? Well, I mean, um, it's it's tough to to comment on a player that you don't know very much about, um, especially like these these statistics can be they they can be very useful in interpreting a player's skill set, but they can also be a little bit misleading. When you look at Serge Aurier's uh, football reference page, he's in the, <laughs> like he he looks like a golden god defensively, but we know that Serge Aurier makes boneheaded mistakes that takes away from the physical ability that he brings to the to the match. He's now, best fullback in the Premier League if you look at Serge's stats practically. Yeah. Yep, yep. I mean, on one hand, um, you're talking about a player that's coming off a Copa America success with Argentina uh, in a match where they were able to keep uh, the likes of Neymar off the score sheet, you know, Argentina keeping a clean sheet in the final. Um, so he will, he will have played a big part of that uh, as a 23-year-old. But we also don't really have the best track record in uh, acquiring Argentinians and having them work out for Tottenham. If you look at, you know, recently anyway, Eric Lamella and uh, Giovanni Lo Celso, who, you know, hoping we're, we, he gets into gear this season. Um, if you go back further, of course, you have the likes of Ricky Villa and Os Osvaldo Ardiles. Don't forget Fazio Cordy. Exactly. So, I mean... This is this is him being compared to other center backs in the top five leagues in Europe over the last 365 days. Um, he looks like an excellent two-way player. So uh, if we could get him at a decent price, I, honestly, like for me, center back has to be the priority. And almost anyone that we buy in the transfer market is going to be an improvement on who we have right now. Um, I would prefer quality over quantity. Like I'd rather go after a Milan Skriniar than go after a Tomiyasu and a Christian Romero. But I don't act, I don't know much about the uh, international player pool in comparison with someone say Jack Konecki, but um, those are just my thoughts. Um, yeah, just on this guy. Look, to be honest with you, I'm not going to comment on a guy I haven't seen. I've not, I've never really heard of him before. But I just want to say to people, like like Corey was saying, you can never ever judge a player just off stats. Your eyes never ever lie to you. Your eyes will tell you whether he's a good defender or not. And just just on defenders quickly, I believe we need two centre backs at least. Well, two centre-backs, I think, would be good going into the season. We need someone that's going to be a direct replacement for Toby Alderweireld. Someone that can that, that's very comfortable on the ball, that can that, that can part, has the passing range of Toby Alderweireld, which makes us a hard team to press because when teams press us, Toby has that pass where he can just put Son in 
put it straight again. We're on the attack. So we need a we need a direct replacement for Toby with that passing range and with the positioning positioning um that Toby has. But we also need an absolute savage. Someone like a Milan Skriniar, who's in the more of a and the manager of Vidic role when he used to play for United. Someone that the that players just do not want to come up against. Someone that players will think twice about taking on. You know, you need an absolute savage because Last season, I don't know about you, but I was sick of seeing corners coming in, free kicks coming in, and our centre-backs or our players nowhere near it. You need a savage that is going to attack that ball and wants to attack that ball. You know, you want a defender that loves defending that much by going and attacking that ball. That's like him scoring a goal. That's what we need. We need a ball-playing centre-back and an absolute savage. Yeah, yeah. If you, if Daniel, if you want to put that screen up one more time, just, just for like the visual, this is Romero, okay? Eric Dyer, Romero, <laughs> Dyer. So like, <laughs> statistics, it looks like yes. my exams in school. Like. Honestly, it's like if you want the eye test, whether it's statistics or not, lots of green, good, lots of red, not very good. So, and and like David was saying, um, yes, like we've got Eric Dyer and and Toby Alderweireld who are like big guys and whatnot, but aerially speaking. We're not a very good defensive club. Uh, I think Jaffa Tanganga would be is a better defender in the air than any of the other center backs that we have. Like, yeah. you see a lot of people who get obsessed with like, oh, he's he's too short to be like a world class center back. But you know, look at somebody like Jules Kounde, who is not the tallest player in the world, but excellent in the air. So um, we most certainly have to get away Go from back the, one of the greatest center backs of all time, Cody Cannavaro. He was a small guy. Exactly. Exactly. Isn't he the last one to win the Ballon d'Or? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, because Verge almost yeah. won it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He actually. was a small guy. Yeah, you know, yeah, but exactly. he was unbelievable. You can make up for it with your positioning. If you put uh, an absolute savage beside him, you can make up by having a small enough defender in there with his pace and with his positioning and, you know, everything else like that. You don't, like, look, nowadays I get it. A lot of clubs want this big, massive center half, but we have that in Eric Dyer. Look at the size of him. He's an absolute brick house. But he's just a. I was going to say a bad word there, but I better not. You kid is here. But he's just hes just a, a, a pussy in the air, really. You know what I mean? He just, like, go back to Fulham. Five foot five coming in off the wing, out jumps him. Look at the size of Eric Dyer. You should be squatting him like a fly. Yeah. You look at pictures of Eric Dyer, even in the 2018 World Cup, he's certainly lost a lot of that athleticism that he used to have. He looks he looks, he looks a little bit soft, Um like I don't want to rag on players for their physicality and, and their athleticism, but you know, if you can't get your feet off the ground because you're backpedaling a little bit, then maybe defending isn't quite for you. And that's, that's the Fulham goal that you were talking about there, David, you know, he was backpedaling trying to catch up and he just couldn't get himself off the ground. So uh, either he needs to get to work about uh, improving his athleticism and his, and his footballing fitness, or we're going to have to, we're going to have to replace him because this is just unacceptable. These, these type of numbers for a club that wants to be challenging for top four and getting back into the champions league and winning trophies. But I, I've actually gone on Brazil scout and I've looked and I, his player review, he's got some strength and he's got an interesting weakness. He's got his strengths are tackling braveness, aerial duels, um, concentration and interceptions. But then when it says for his weakness, it says discipline. What do you guys think that means? Because obviously we've got enough, trash disciplined players in our club um particularly even eric dyer you look at that it's right in front of your face and he's saying he's on good form and it's just the media that's portraying him to look bad it's right there in front of your eyes eric dyer he's just but then when you look at him it says about the discipline what do you guys think the discipline what they mean by him his weakness being disciplined because We've, we've already and got that trouble in us. Is this Romero? Romero has an issue yeah. with discipline, you're saying? Yeah, Romero. it probably has to do with maybe he has receives too many yellow cards. Maybe he has plenty of yellow cards or something this season. That's yeah. usually maybe, what the Maybe he gives away penalties. Could yeah. be that. Could be that. Discipline, well. discipline is, is your conduct. You know, yellow cards, red cards, you know, um, basically just, just arguing. You know, not keeping a lid on your emotions, stuff like that, where you're, where you're kind of letting it boil over. And look, in a way, it can also be interpreted as the dark arts of the game, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. And everyone knows I love the dark arts. I absolutely mm -hmm. love them. And it, that that could also be interpreted like like what Shialini done on Saka the other day. You know what I mean? You're not going anywhere, son. You know, pull him down. That that could that it, it it's it's stuff like that which which discipline with which, which they're on about. But when a player doesn't have great discipline, it doesn't necessarily mean 
he's a bad defender. He could just be a master of the dark arts. Yeah, exactly. And also David probably just doesn't like, you know, he puts in a hard tackle into somebody, sees them play on the floor too long, you know, gets into his head, you know, he gets a little riled up sometimes as well. If you're a world-class defender, Daniel, I can't say this, but, you know, sometimes with world-class defenders, you can tell there's something a little crazy in their eyes. You know, they have a little bit of a glint in their eyes. You know, they're, you know, they have to kind of reach a certain level of insanity in order to be that good. So, you know, I mean, that might be is it, that might be it as well. I mean, uh, he is Argentinian, so they have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to paint everyone from Argentina with the same brush. But if you watched the Copa America final yeah, on the weekend, the game itself was generally a lot nastier than uh, the Euro final. There were a lot more bone crunching tackles. Um, there was a lot more yellow cards handed out. Fred got a yellow card right off the bat, and that kind of set off the way the game was officiated. You know, like players were begging for yellows for just about everything. They were taking dives. They're 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 all about the dark arts over there. They don't shame their players for for trying to master them. And uh, yeah, like David was saying, you know, <laughs> that play. I like. I did want I did want England to win. I'll be honest, uh, just because of Harry Kane, just because of Harry Kane, and and po the possible impact it might have had on his future at Tottenham Hotspur. Um, I thought a lot of what went on in terms of fan conduct was disgusting, both before and after the game. Yeah. But that's aside from it. But you got to admire someone like Chiellini making a play like that, knowing that he has enough street cred that that ref isn't going to reach for the red card, not an extra time, not in on that magnitude. There's no way that ref is going to give him a ball. <laughs> that was it. You know, Saka controlled it with his arm. Chiellini didn't want to let that happen. You know, he says, no, you can't cheat on me, you know, on the sideline here. It's also right in front of his manager, I believe as well. Saka was doing that touch right in front of his manager. I mean, Chiellini has to pull him down by the collar right in front of Southgate. Yeah, just, yeah, I mean, Chiellini just, is pretty pretty much old enough to be Saka's father, so it was just there were so many <laughs> levels on which it was an interesting play, especially considering that Bukayo Saka ended up missing the crucial penalty. You have to wonder if maybe that was part of what because, like, literally, despite the magnitude of the situation, if you if you were watching closely, every time that the camera panned in on Chiellini's face, whether it was before the game, at the end of extra time, during the penalties. He just had that sick socio sociopathic grin on his face where it's just like, there is no way this is ending in an it Italian loss. Uh, it's like, you got to respect did you see when the Did you see when the camera panned across him when the, when the English were booing the Italian national anthem? He's just stand, he was just standing there with his eyes closed, smiling. <laughs> He's sick. He's a sick man. He's not he was, well. He was soaking up that negative energy. It was like going to the gas station. He was just fueling up on it. I was, uh, I, I literally, when I saw that, I posted on Twitter. I was like, Kalini is a massive sociopath. Massive. <laughs> I don't know. Well, well, if you look at the two major competitions this summer, the Euros and and uh, yeah, what, what do you call that? South America, Copa America, right? Um, you look at the two winners of that competition: Argentina done the dark arts, Italy master of the dark arts, and they both win. And this is what I keep telling people. I see some people saying, "Oh, well, you know, it shouldn't be allowed to happen in the game and everything else." You look at most great teams. Right, most great teams. They've all mastered the dark arts, but they can play football. And mm. and that's what we need to get at Tottenham. We're too soft. We're way too soft. Um, like when we have players just uh, running through, beating three or four people down the middle and not one person pulling them down or or coming in and taking them out from behind, taking a yellow card, letting the team get reset. We're way too nice at Tottenham. I've seen that multiple of times last season where boys are just walking through three, four players. I'm not being funny. If I was the fourth player and he got to me, I'd clothesline. I would just clothesline them. I'd say, where do you, you know think you're going? You're not going to embarrass my team like that. The you know perfect... what I mean? And we're, we're way too nice at Tottenham. And we need, like, we do have some good players. If we can get more good players in there, but we also need to learn the dark arts, learning to take a yellow card for the team, learning to take a player down. You know, we're too nice. And that's why England lost that final the other night. They were too nice. They were in Italy's faces for the first 20 minutes. And I was kind of like, ooh, well, this is mm -hmm. a different England here. They're up for this. You've yeah. seen Trippier growling in people's faces. But it didn't phase Italy, and Italy just went about the rest of the game keeping possession and, and you know, shithousing England. Every opportunity they get. And that's that was the difference between the game. I know it went to penalties, but by the time it went to penalties, because of the shithousing Italy were doing, they already won the penalties. You know, England were going up scared. They already won the penalties. You know, they lost the toss to what side it just go on. But as soon as they lost that, straight away, I, I think it was Chiellini said, we're taking first. It's all about mind games and shit. How's React Tottenham were way too nice. And we need to imp start implementing more of the dark arts. We need savages. We need animals in there. You know, we, we, 
we, we, we need to find that mix of ball players and having them one or two players who are just nasty people. You look at the United team that dominated for years. Roy Keane in there, just nasty. You know what I mean? You, Nemanja Vidic at centre-back, nasty. Gabriel Heinzet, nasty. You know what I mean? You need a few of them players in every team. And people say to me they don't like it, but at the end of the day, it's a part of a winning culture at a club. You will yeah. do anything to win. And that's what the dark, dark arts is. You will literally do anything to win. And we need to implement that at Tottenham. Like I said, look at the two major competitions, Copa America, Euros. Both teams that won are masters of the dark arts but can play football. Yeah, and I, you know what? I couldn't agree more, David. And I was really hoping that if there was one thing that Jose Mourinho could instill upon this squad, it would be that type of mentality. And mm -hmm. we, we just did not see it at all. And the proof is in the pudding. You just look at the way that teams continue to aggressively attack us even when we were leading, how many points we dropped from winning positions this season. We just, I, I mean, if you wanted a microcosm for everything that you just said, all you have to do is look at Orsic's third goal in the Zagreb yep. defeat. And, and that's it. He just weaves his way through players. They stick a foot out. They don't, they don't grab him. Um, we absolutely need to have a little bit more nastiness in this squad. If we're going to eliminate this, kind of soft underbelly that teams keep exposing year after year at Spurs. It's been a problem for years at this club. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Jack, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think David is exactly right. He's probably, and Cody as well, I do believe maybe the dark arts would be pretty much the, the, the exact thing that Spurs need. To be honest, I'm really hoping maybe after Pepe and Chiellini retire, they're going to be offering masterclass, you know, lessons to, you know, mm. some of the defenders that might need it in that regard. Uh, I would honestly pay whatever fee, especially Pepe would be offering. Uh, in terms of, you know, it, it really is, the. I think the reason even David might even seem so adamant on it is because Daniel really is a lost art, the dark arts. It's not something that's seen as cool anymore. You know, winning in that manner is not seen as cool anymore with the young kids, I think. Uh, doing whatever it takes to win is not seen as cool. Uh, it's, it's all these kind of, you know, maybe uh, you might say values or principles that used to be the case with a lot of players and athletes is kind of fading away. It's, you know, it's kind of more about what Fortnite dance do you do whenever you score a long shot? You know, what Fortnite dance do you do whenever you finish your pen? It's not as much about, you know, staying in the game, you know, slugging your player, you know, to keep them, you know, focused, whatever it may be. Uh, even Harris Safarovich, we even saw, you know, this guy's I think he's only 27, 28. He slugged his own player, you know, before the penalties just to wake him up a little bit. It's, it's just these kind of things that we would never, ever, ever see at Spurs. And that's what's kind of the sad thing is this is, I mean, uh, believe me, I'm one of the younger ones like you, Daniel, but this is stuff that I saw, yeah, kind of growing up with. And to be honest, it's actually quite sad how little of it I saw because it's absolutely fading away. Maybe the dark arts winning competitive mentality that even you were probably taught as a kid as well. Uh, and it's all fading away. I really do think it's fading away. And with the defenders we're signing, I guess, maybe to finish this up, I think David and Cody are exactly right. With the defenders we need to be looking at, we need to be looking at these kind of intrinsic values and, and hope that that's in them. Because if they don't have any of that winning competitive dark arts mentality inside them, there's no reason to be paying 30 million pounds, 40 million pounds for these players. There is, there is one player that I do want to mention before we move on from the topic. And uh, like Jack is saying, what, that, that's one thing that I hope Paratici brings with him because, you know, he's he's Italian, he's in the Serie A. He'll be familiar with players of that, that caliber who have that type of characteristic. But one player that I felt like actually did bring that to Tottenham last year was was Pierre-Emile Hoybier. Yeah. And mm -hmm. as the season wore on and as he grew further fatigued and was overplayed, um, and, and the squad around him did not take on that characteristic. You could almost see the, the Tottenham weakness infiltrating his game. You know, he started making less crunching tackles. He started taking more cynical foul, stopped taking uh, cynical fouls. He stopped getting himself carded. Uh, whether that was a matter of just being fatigued or just a matter of taking a look around himself and seeing that nobody else was doing the dirty work like he was, um, I'm certainly hoping that that's something that changes this coming season. And, and, and just, just to add to that quickly, sorry. Um, with Tottenham, we are getting better at getting that sort of midfielder in who will do the dark arts and who will take you out of the car. Like me growing up, I've always watched Tottenham teams and they've always had a soft underbelly midfield. We are getting better at getting them players in. Palacios, Wanyama, now Heiberg. But with that, we're losing what else we need in midfield, which is that tempo setter, that dictator who can get on the ball, is comfortable taking it under pressure, giving it left, giving it right, over the top, whatever he needs to do. 
to calm the game down and stuff like that. And that's why we also got hit so many times last season because we didn't have a player in the midfield who could do that. So we couldn't retain possession, which meant we were just all hands to the pump defensively. You know, and, t- and, and teams knew that we didn't have that player so they could press the midfield because we'd panic. Now, we had, we've always had that sort of player, Carrick, Modric, Moussa Dembele. There's lots of players that can do that. We need to get that partner for Hoiberg in there. and it, Because in midfield, you need that player that is a master of the dark arts but can do all the basics very well. And you need that tempo setter, you know, to complement him. And we need to get that right at Tottenham. We have Hoiberg in the master of the dark arts to do everything very well. Now we need to get that tempo setter in there beside him to help. Yeah, definitely. A comment here from NBA saying, Hi, guys. Thoughts on PSG signing Sergio Ramos. This is another guy with the mentality of the dark arts. Oh, the so, greatest of all time, Daniel. The greatest of all time. At least um, for me growing up, the surge, the Don surge, Don Ramos, Don surge. The greatest of all time for me, uh, yeah. at least when it comes to dark arts, when it came to technical ability, when it came to winning mentality, when it came to everything. Also, even off the field as well, Sergio Ramos is known as being the most evil man on the pitch, but apparently is supposed to be the nicest guy off it as well. So, I mean, Sergio Ramos, I mean, I will, I'm not kidding, absolutely cry, you know, the moment he retires. That guy just modeled everything off of my own kind of mentality off of his. Yeah, I don't actually think PSG are going to win the Champions League next season with the players that they're bringing in. But Cody, he has to go. Um, thank you so much, yep, Cody, for coming on. Um, thank you yep. for taking part of your time to come on. Would you like to tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, later today, if you want to tune into Will Stewart THFC Rants, I'll be doing the Bald and Bearded Tottenham Boys show. That's really the only regular kind of content that I'm a part of right now. I try and sneak on when I get the invite. I know uh, you've been trying to get me on for for a few ta- a few days here, so uh, happy to have been able to make it on for at least half an hour, 40 minutes. Um, I will say on the Ramos front, um, obviously echo everything that Jack has to say about the player. But one thing that, that I admire about Sergio Ramos that, that we kind of need at, at Spurs is that there is a perfect example of a player that you would never have to tell to be fit. You know, oh. like he is just, he is an incredible, he's on Ronaldo's level in terms of being a physical specimen. And that takes a certain mentality that, that takes a mentality that only like the upper tier elite players uh, possess. And I certainly, I certainly wish that we had a little bit more of that. One six foot two, Cody. He's only six foot one, six foot two, and he's always. You've always thought of him as some god, like someone who's like six foot nine. You know, whatever that anybody. I think I'm not even kidding. He's only six one, six two as well. He's he's definitely he's definitely a player I would never want to meet in a back alley. He'd tear you limb from limb if you looked at him the wrong way. But on that note, guys, enjoy the rest of the show. Always good to talk to all three of you. Take care. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Spurs. Big up, Cody. Absolutely. Um, question here from NBA. We're going to head into the outside of Tottenham segment. So this is the last bit mm-hmm. of the show. We talk about outside of Tottenham is um, OOT in um, abbreviation. Nice. And it stands for, and it's for talking about football, but just outside of Tottenham. So as he asks here, the team of the Euros, the team of the season for the Euros, team of the year for, no. What, how do you yeah. say that? Because it's not even the full season. It's just, just team of the Euros. Yeah, team, yeah, of, the team Euros. of the Euros. Right. Um, um, Hoiberg was included in there. What, and Kane wasn't, interestingly. What do you guys think about it? Um, keeper spot on Donnarumma. Oh, you know, has to be. Definitely. Pickford did Kyle Walker right back. I'd agree with that. I'm delighted Spinazzola got in there. I think he's been the left, the, the, the best left-sided player in the tournament. Um, who were the two centre-backs? Maguire? It was Maguire and I believe Chiellini. I'll have to yeah. check. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, at him. Maguire and Benucci, actually. Oh, Benucci. Maguire and Benucci. I always get confused with those two. Yeah, look, I, th- I I do think Maguire's had a very good tournament, to be fair. He really did step up this tournament, especially after coming into it with it, with injuries and stuff like that. But I think it's harsh on Chiellini and Benucci not to be um, the partnership. They did win the Euros, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, um, I was just going to say. And also, Maguire didn't even play the whole tournament compared to them. Yeah. They played the entire tournament. Maguire came, what, for the last group stage game, uh, if that even. Yeah. Uh, it was only the only reason he even came into that game, David, was because, you know, they weren't so sure, you know, it was going to be, you know, so easy to get out of the groups, you know, for that last game. So to be honest, yeah, I think that's a bit of a snub on Chiellini as well, because David Benucci and Chiellini, they're supposed to be celebrating, you know, in Greece or something right now with their families, you know, <laughs> enjoying a bit of wine, enjoying a bit of bruschetta. Uh, so honestly, I bet Chiellini is quite upset probably waking up seeing that they're supposed to be celebrating together right now, David, with their families. 
Yeah, and plus he's his last Euro, so he'd be raging to miss yeah. out on team team of the competition. Look, I think it should be Benucci and Chiellini myself, but you can't argue Maguire. You know, if it wasn't going to be one of them, Maguire probably yeah. would be the next best um, player to put in there. Uh, moving into midfield, look, you have to put Heiberg in there. You've seen what he's done this this Euros. You know, he's he's played on the front foot. He's been allowed to get further forward. Which mean, and he's great at turning over the ball, which means he can turn the ball over further forward, which like we've seen against Manchester United and um, when we bet them six one. And it means you can get on the count you can get on the on, on the counter attack a lot quicker and you have less let um, players to play through. So I think Heiberg fully deserved in there. Who's the other sentiment fielder in that? Uh Jorginho and Pedri, yeah. David. Yeah, Pedri. Pedri won yeah. the midfielder of the tournament, I believe. Pedri, I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I've been impressed with the kid. No. I've been very impressed with him, to be fair. It's not so long ago he was only playing like lower division Spanish football out on loan. Um, you know, so fair play to him. And um, a good inclusion by Luis Enrique, I have to say. He, he's really impressed me this tournament. Jorginho, look, I thought it was a, a toss-up between him and Verratti, to be honest with you. I actually really like Verratti. I really do. I like <laughs> his mentality. For such a small guy, he likes to get stuck in. But even watching in the final... Everything came through Verratti. Verratti was constantly involved in the one-twos, deciding to go left or right with the ball and slowing it down or quickening it up. So, yeah, yeah, I, I do think Hoiberg deserves to be in there. And then for me, yeah, Jorginho, fair enough. I, th I think he's deserved to be in there, you know. He he's had a good tournament, but I think it Verratti, I think, is harsh to miss out on, Jack. What do you think? Yeah, I think Verratti, uh, to be honest, I think even Barella had a fantastic tournament as well for Italy. You know, that's... Mm. that that. The Italian midfield, honestly, David, like the two center backs, it maybe should be uh, two people from the Italian midfield, I feel like should be included. Um, but then again, you are missing out on Hoy Beer, so you have to include Hoy Beer. Yeah, maybe you're right, David. I would put Verratti maybe instead of Jorginho. Pedri did have a fantastic tournament and yeah. is likely going to become probably one of the best players in the world uh, in the next few seasons. Um, it would have been nice, though, maybe, David, to have two Italian midfielders in there. Um, especially since they didn't want to include two center backs, which is a crime. Um, yeah, I'm actually, David, everything you said, 100% agree. 100% agree. Totally with you. I can't say anything different. Yeah, no. Look, may, may, maybe you could have dropped out maybe Pedri and put in Verratti, have Verratti, Jorginho, Yeah. But Pedri, like like Jack has said, he's had a great competition for such a young guy to step in and, and be so assured the way he has been. Fair play to him. Now, moving on up front, um, it's Sterling Lukaku. Who's the other player? Oh, um, right. I believe it is, but I've got it right here. Um, okay, because they put it on a video instead of putting the actual Chiesa. Chiesa, Chiesa. yeah, Chiesa, yeah, he definitely deserved it. Yeah, look, Chiesa, Chiesa Sterling. Yeah. and Sterling. Chiesa, Sterling. I think, I think he deserves to be in there. I, I've been very, very impressed with him. Do you know what I loved? Like watching him against England, especially, it's a throwback. You know, you don't see it nowadays. Even Kingsley Coleman done it in one of the games he came on for France. Is getting the ball and just driving at teams. You know, as much as this pass and the movement is good, it's great. Sometimes you just need to be like old school. Pick up the ball, drive at players, back your ability, back your quick feet, and draw fouls, create space. Be brave. And that's what I loved about Chiesa. He's brilliant at doing it. He's old school. He'll get on the ball. He'll drive at players. He'll try and take them on. And nine times out of ten, he does get by them. He's very, very quick with his feet. Look what he done with Declan Rice there in the Euros. He, tr he tried two or three nibbles at him to take him down. Couldn't do it. You know, that low centre of gravity and just bomb forward. Um, and, and nearly scored from it in the end. You know, just wide of the post. Mm. Um, Kingsley Coleman done it for France, you know, in, in one of the games. You know, I was me and Jack were actually doing the watch along and I said, look, you know, France need a player to come on here and start beating players. And that's exactly what Coleman done. Got on the ball, down the left-hand flank. Every time that he's full back, started getting balls across the area, which causes panic. And I think Kiesa definitely, definitely deserves yep. to be in there. What, what do you guys think? Lukaku and Sterling. Yeah. I don't agree with their inclusions, you know. I just yeah, don't. I, I, think I, I agree with Sterling. I think it should be Patrick. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. But I agree with Sterling, mainly because I'm an England fan. Uh, I mean, Daniel, you know, so, so we've been told, Daniel, so we've been told. I just looked up the Euro top scores. He's not in the top five of the, of the oh, Euro top oh, scorers. But, you know, Sterling, apparently, to most people, David, right, we've been hearing this, David, he's been the been the player of the tournament. He's been the best player in the whole tournament. Right. I and I just looked up the Euro top scorers. He's not even in the top five. You know, Patrick Schick, Emil Forsberg, uh, Lukaku, Ronaldo. Um, what is Ronaldo so, mentioned in this? 
that's what I mean though, David. So, or Daniel, sorry, that, this is what I mean. Like, to be honest, if you ask me, Sterling being even mentioned as the best player of the tournament, maybe because we're talking about, you know, everybody's team being England. Yeah, maybe the best player for England. But if you're talking about the best player of the tournament, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, it's just, he, he's only scored whatever it was, David, three goals. <laughs> he's only yeah. scored three goals. Like, there, there well, are whatever five players goals, ahead of him that have scored more. There are five players ahead of him for smaller teams, for smaller teams who had to play for a lot less, you know, all these things who had also fewer games to play as well, fewer games to play, and they still scored more. So to be honest, Emil Forsberg should be ahead of uh, Sterling. I think Patrick yep. Schick could be ahead of Sterling. I think Ronaldo should be ahead of Sterling. Uh, maybe Lukaku, right, shouldn't be included as well, but Lukaku over Sterling as well for me. Yeah, we've got we've got footage of, of my reaction when Pickford saved the Jorginho penalty. <laughs> Literally right before that penalty, I'm like, this guy is the best player in the earth at taking penalties. There is no chance Pickford is saving. I think he is. Bruno Fernandes is a contender. But, Did you? Uh, maybe you don't watch a lot of Chelsea, but that was a big thing at the beginning of the season for Chelsea was Jorginho missed whatever it was, like two or three in a row. One, I, I don't understand why people still say that. Like Bob was, you know, bringing it up like, oh, but Jorginho missed and everybody thinks he's the best player in the world at penalties. And it's kind of like, yeah, but, you know, in the beginning of the season, you know, Timo Werner was supposed to replace him. Emerson even looked like he was going to replace him or something for penalties. Like Jorginho, to be honest, has been missing penalties left and right. Just nobody has noticed. Yeah, we've got. I've got my whole reaction to the game. I'm gonna be uploading a video of my whole watch along to that. But let's, I'm gonna play the my reaction to when Jorginho um, <laughs> when he, penalty was saved. David, that's uh, only to know what happens, David. After only know, only to know what happens right after, David. Oh, David, it's just how many tears did we collect the other night? <laughs> oh, loads! It was poetic. It was poetry in motion. You could fill an ocean with all the tears. <laughs> but um, yeah. What do you guys think of the Copa America? Because obviously, I'm pretty sure David. I don't know if you watched it because it was kind of a little bit too late for you. Um, I think it might no, have been. No, I watch games. I watch games, man. It was crazy oh. what I get up to. The final, the final. Yeah, I watched. I watched. I watched a bit of the final. I didn't watch it all. I watched a bit of the final. Oh, you you woke up in time to see Harry Winks walking and trying to do a pass forward, <laughs> and then you and you decided to watch the game. And no, what? yeah, no, no. Look, I do tune in sometimes. Look, I I, I don't sleep all night, lad. Sometimes I'm a bit of a late. Yeah, I, I, David I goes to bed a lot later than I do. Yeah, David, I go to bed. I'm an old man, Daniel. Despite David, you know, having plenty of years of experience and uh, wisdom over me, I David goes to bed a lot later than I do. So you know, I think I even fell asleep uh, at the at the last five minutes of the Argentina game, and whatever time that was, it was only ten thirty for me, Daniel. Every time Neymar got the ball, I was like. <laughs> They're gonna foul him. They're gonna foul him. They're gonna foul because it was just tackles. I I honestly don't know how Demendi ended the game without a red card. It's the class. My, my, my I, I know it's part of the dark arts, as David would say, but when it comes to those type of tackles, he should have been sent off in the first ten minutes of the game. Uh, I, I, I maybe I might say you're Brazilian, right, Daniel? You have Brazilian I, I'm, heritage. I'm Brazilian by marriage, English by heart. Beautiful. I, I mean, I got to say, go look at Fernandinho. Go, go look at Fernandinho, the greatest to ever do it in terms of, you know, avoiding yellow cards. You know, that guy, Fernandinho, has put in two-footed tackles into the back of people's buttocks and has somehow gotten away with, you know, nothing. He even gets up every time, apologizes to the player, you know, almost acts as if he did kill the player, you know, speaks to the ref, you know, somehow is able to get away with anything. So Fernandinho has practically avoided, you might even say, at least over 15 red cards, you know, in, in a game, because that guy has missed so many yellows. He deserves so many yellows. So I will say, like, they're only learning from the best, with, which is Fernandinho, the best to ever do it at avoiding yellows. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But we have reached the end of the show. It's been a phenomenal show today with a bunch of new um, guests. So would you like – I'm pretty sure if you're subscribed to this channel, you're already subscribed to the Irish Hotspur. Would you like to – because I've got a few family members that watch my streams – and when I get to their house, I'm bad definitely get to steal their phone off their pocket, go to YouTube, subscribe to the Irish Hotspur. But David, where can everybody find you? Nah, I really appreciate that, my man. Yeah, everyone can find me over on the Irish Hotspur. Look, we put out great content. We have 
you know, the, the grey-haired gang where we go over the Tottenham history. We have Answer Me with Jack and Nicky, which is, is, has become the main show on the channel. We have Frenemies with Marcelo. You know, the season's ramping up. I'll be doing previews, reviews, um, predicted lineups, um, you know, transfer or, or Tottenham news, um, player ratings. I have so much more lined up. Of course, I do the Spurs stories as well. You know, where I interview Spurs fans from around the world, find out how they got into sport in Tottenham and, you know, just hearing their journey along the way, favourite goal, favourite manager, player, stuff like that. So there's plenty of content over there. But um, I just want to say to everybody, make sure you, like, anyone that has come across this that isn't subscribed to the Yeet Kid, please subscribe to him. He's an absolute brilliant host. Uh, look, D Daniel, how old are you? 13. He's only 13. Now, Man, at 13, I was out gallivanting on the estate, you know what I mean, getting into trouble, doing things I shouldn't be doing. This guy's sitting here as his own YouTube channel. It, you know, he's well able to, to use all the technology that comes with it, which is absolutely insane. I think I only got my first phone at 13. I'm the, you know, and I'm still technology retarded, to be so honest with I. you. I got, you know? I got my phone on my birthday. It's my first ever phone. I had a laptop, no. though. But, like, the fact that you're sitting here, you have your YouTube channel up and running, you're well able to sit here and hang with adults, answering the questions, not feeling nervous or anything like that, which is an, an incredible feat to have at such a young age, you know, that you seamlessly just fit right in, you get us on your shows, you know what I mean, and, and you're not nervous or anything like that. And plus the content you put out, you know, the questions, absolutely love it. Please, I, I, I beg everybody, please subscribe to the Yid Kid. He fully deserves it. Fully, fully, fully deserves it. And look, if he's doing this at 13, I can only imagine where you're going to be by 18, my man. Thank you so much for the kind words. Last time Jack was on and we were doing the outro, I told Jack, um, make sure everybody checks out Jack from, and then I froze because he's literally mm. everywhere. You could find him <laughs> Any video you click, he's on there. Any channel you'll go on, he's been on the, the channel. But Jack, where can everybody find you? Yeah, they can always find me alongside David, you know, at the Irish Hotspur. Dave and I have plenty of things coming out. Um, but like you said, you know, uh, it, it's really more about you, Daniel. I really do think it's been an honor to be included in these. I really do appreciate you always including me. That I really love these questions because they're very different than what maybe we're used to answering as well. Um, and then I will say, like, you know, maybe like uh, David said, when I was 13, D Daniel, some of the words that you even said today, I could not pronounce at the age of 13. I'll tell you that. And so there's just so much that you've done that I could not even imagine that I could have done at your age. So please, 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 even if you do 50% of what you've been doing, you're already excelling above every 13-year-old I know in the U.S. So, I mean, believe me, believe me, you're absolute class. Everybody subscribe here, especially if you like David and I from the Irish Hotspur. David and I absolutely, absolutely support this channel and everything here. So please, 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 if you like David and I, please subscribe here. Yeah, well 100%. Said. Everybody go check out the Irish Hotspur as well. But um, some interesting news because tomorrow I have a, a great video coming out with Matty Hayes, the man that is in charge of the transfer window. Class. It's going to be a transfer special. I'm going to give him um two, 10 players that he thinks could come to Tottenham and 10 players that he thinks could go. He'll give me a rating 1 through yeah, 10, yeah. and then he'll give me his explanation on each player. So make sure you tune in if you want that. If you want to see that, um, and smash the like if you've liked this video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Um, we've reached 200, 200 recently, thanks to the wow. support of the Irish Hotspur. So let's keep growing, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Enoch come out. on, you Spurs. Out. Enoch out, come on.